For the last several weeks, we've been learning some instructions for faithful living that are found in Paul's letter that we call 2 Corinthians. We've been focusing on the 11th and 13th chapter. Uh, so this morning, it's time for the test. I don't know anybody that likes tests. Whether it was pop quiz and, and math class or the achievement test that they made all students take to kind of see how schools are doing or, or a blood test at the doctor's office. Most people just really don't like tests. They just soon avoid them if possible, but we understand the need for tests. I mean, the math teacher has to know if the people in the class are learning anything. The state needs to know how schools are doing and they're teaching and the doctor wants to know if eating pizza and Doritos every night for three months really changes your cholesterol. It does. Paul calls for the believers in Corinth to take the test. Here's how he describes it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So this morning, I want to invite you to do what Paul invited the Corinthians to do. Take the test. The test has really one question. There's lots of ways you can, can phrase it. We're going to start by looking at it from the perspective that someone who doesn't know Christ would look at them. Is your life where you want it to be? That's a pretty important question. I think most of us would say that's a pretty significant test. That's something we actually do need to think about. Is my life where I really want it to be? Now remember, this passage occurs in a section of Paul's letter. He's defending his ministry against some people in the city of Corinth who, who claim he didn't have any right to be calling himself an apostle. And because he didn't have any right to call himself an apostle, he didn't really have any right to teach the church about anything. And so Paul is answering uh, those accusations, and he focuses his argument where he focuses all of his teaching. He focuses his response to these critics on Jesus. Now his accusers had questioned his ministry. Paul takes their question and he turns it around right back on them. He challenges them to take a look at their own life. It was much more important for them to test their faith than it was to test his ministry. So Paul challenges them. He challenges them to take a hard look at yourself. To determine who you really are. Are you at a place where you want your life to be? That's the question that Paul is asking for those folks who are attacking him. He wasn't asking them to do anything that he hadn't done himself. In fact, Paul had received this very same test. One day on the road to Damascus, Paul, who then went by the name of Saul, was going to Persecute some more Christians. He wanted to stop the message of Christ from being proclaimed. And, and on that road that day, he heard a voice. A voice that challenged everything that Paul believed. 
And it put his entire worldview, everything that he thought about himself and everything that he thought about his world, he put it all to a test. Here's the way that Jesus expressed it to Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In that moment in the days to come, Paul looked at his life and found it to be him. He looked at all the things that he had worked so hard to do as a Pharisee, all the things that he had been struggling to accomplish in his life, and he realized with everything that he had, he was missing the one thing that he needed. He didn't have Jesus. He knew the scripture. He was highly involved in all kinds of religious activities. In fact, he was a leader in the religious establishment of his day. But he didn't have Jesus. And in that moment there on the Damascus road, Paul took the test and he failed. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened to him. We don't usually think about failing the test as a good thing. But sometimes it can be. And for Paul, failing that test that day on the Damascus Road was the best thing that could ever happen to him. I don't know if they still do this, but when I was in elementary school, we had what was called the President's Physical fitness tests. Whoever was president at that particular time issued a challenge for all fifth graders in the nation to be physically fit. And if you could pass a, a series of tests, you got a medal and a certificate signed by the president. Well, the medal was actually plastic, and the certificate just had his name stamped on it, but it was still a pretty big deal. After all, it was the president's physical fitness test. And besides, everybody had to take it. So we did. And the president's physical fitness test consisted of, of several different benchmarks. Things like you had to do so many sit-ups in two minutes, and so many chin-ups in two minutes, things like that. I think I actually made the benchmark in the sit-ups without much problem. The, the chin-ups, they were like nose-ups. I was having a little trouble toward the end getting my chin up. But my, my gym teacher had mercy and went ahead and counted it as being okay. And then we got to the one test that I thought would be the easiest one. We had to run a certain distance. I don't remember how much it was. But we had to run for 10 minutes straight. And I thought, I run on the playground all the time. This piece of cake. What I failed to realize was that on the playground, we would run, you know, maybe 30 seconds at a time, however long it took to get from the jungle gym to the teeter topper. I mean, you know, we ran, but it was just in little spurts. I had never run for 10 minutes solid in my life. And apparently nobody else had either. Of all the fifth graders in my school, only one girl passed that test, and she would go on to be a a state-ranked long-distance runner in, in high school and college. I thought I was physically fit, but when it came to running for 10 minutes straight, I failed the test. 
So I didn't get my plastic metal and fake certificate, but no great crisis. I survived the fifth grade anyway. The test that Paul took on the Damascus Road, and, and the one that he now encourages the Corinthians to take, that it was far more critical. On the Damascus Road, confronted with the resurrected Christ, Paul tested everything that he believed as a Pharisee, and he found all of it coming up short. In fact, all the things that he had struggled to attain throughout his life, he recognized he was missing the one thing that he really needed. He didn't have Jesus. One great tragedy is far too many people fail to take the test. They, they come to a, a, a decision that they don't need God in their life, they don't need Jesus, they can just do fine on their own. But the reality is they've never really taken a close look at their own life. And the challenge of Scripture is to do exactly that. Is your life where you want it to be? Is it really true that you don't need Jesus? When confronted with the resurrected Christ on the Damascus Road, Paul realized that his life was far, far away from where it needed to be. And that more than anything else, he needed Jesus. I encourage you this one. Take that. Is your life where you want it to be. Now to take the test, you have to know what the test is. And Paul makes it really, really simple here in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 13. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. The test is simple. Is Jesus Christ in you. In the Gospel of John, Jesus himself put it this way. John chapter 5, verse 12, he says, He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. And Paul says exactly the same thing here in 2 Corinthians 13. If you have Christ in your life, you have true, valid faith. It all hinges on this one question. Do you have Jesus? That's the test. Plain and simple. If we have the Son, we have life. If we do not have the Son of God, we do not. For years, Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola have been involved in what has sometimes been described as the Cola Wars. Each company has tried to take market share away from the other company by proving itself to be the better Cola. One campaign from a few years back, 
Pepsi told people to take the Pepsi challenge. The idea was to do a wine te taste test. And they, they set up a test booths all over the country, in shopping malls and grocery stores and city parks, anywhere they could figure out to, to sell those up. And, and they would have two unmarked paper cups, one that would have Coca-Cola in it, one that would have Pepsi-Cola in it, and, and they would challenge people to take a sip of each one and, and see which one they liked about. Well, I never found one of those booths. I guess they didn't do that right now. So I decided to do the test myself. I got two classes, glasses and Pepsi-Cola in one and Coca-Cola in one, and I mixed them up so I wouldn't know which one was which. And then I took the test. I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> and when it comes right down to it, that's really the way it is with most things in this world. The new and improved is just the same old thing in a different package. Here's a, a reality. There really aren't any new religions in our world. Not that they may call themselves new, they may say that they're new, but when you take a look at what they teach, it's just the same old stuff repackaged. And, and basically, the religions of the world all say essentially the same thing. If you do these things, you'll be okay. Now, now sometimes the these things change. The list changes. But the bottom line is still the same. If, if you do these things, you're good to go. The Bible says take the test. Really if you do those things, is your life really where you want it to be? Paul understood the problem. Because there on the Damascus Road, as he was confronted with the resurrected Christ, he realized, though he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he followed all the rules he'd done, all the things he was supposed to do, and Paul realized there, standing before the Lord, just how far short he fell from what God wanted his life to be. And the reality is, if we're honest, if we're truthful, and we look at our life, that's exactly what we're going to Because this world will always disappoint. So the challenge of the scripture this morning is to, to take the world, whatever it is that you're trusting in in your life, whatever it is that you put your faith in in your life, whatever it is that's most important in your life, take that and compare it to Jesus. And if you do that, you're going to find the world always leaves us wanting more. It's never enough. There's always something else. Jesus never disappoints us. He never leaves us wanting. In Christ, we have everything. The world will always disappoint you. At some point, somewhere along the line, if you look at it close enough, you're going to see it. The world will always let you down, somewhere along the way. Something doesn't work quite right. But Jesus will never 
Let us stand. The world, ultimately, when you have the very best the world has to offer, when you've got all the riches, all the gold, all the fame, all the popularity, all the whatever it is that the world is promising you, if you have that, you got it made. But once you have that, at the end of that road, it's the same for everybody. Rich, poor, full, hungry, doesn't matter. At the end of everything the world has to offer, it's just death. That's how it all ends. For everything in this world, everything in this world eventually passes away. Heavenly Father, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God is doing in your life this morning. And I just want to ask you a simple question. Is your life where you want to be? Really? Really? In this world, it's kind of easy to look at Yeah, I got things going good.
across this room that we've already made that decision. You, you've come to that point in your life. You've taken a look at your, your life and you said, whoa, this is not where I want to be. And, and you turned to the Lord and you, you said that. The Lord, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. My life is not what it should be. I need you. You accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You followed Him and you have found in Him exactly what the first law promised. You found life. But you've got friends that are going to know about it. And I'm telling you, part of the reason is they never stopped to think about it. They just never stopped to take the test. And maybe your prayer this morning would be God, this friend of mine, they need a Damascus Road moment. They need to take the test. Lord, if there's anything I can say, anything I can do that will help them to understand that, that will help them to, to look at their life and see that they're missing something. God, whatever I can do to help them, God, that's what I want. If you're here this morning and you've taken the test and you say, well, you know, my life didn't work. We want to help you. We want to help you know what only Jesus Christ can provide. Now, there's some ways that we provide for you to do that. Normally, we invite you to come up to the front and sit down with you and we look through the scripture and we would show you right there in the Bible what God's Word says that Jesus has already accomplished everything that you need. All you have to do is accept it, all you have to do is receive it. We can't do that with you personally right now because of the virus situation, but we do want to do that with you. So in the few racks before you, you'll, you'll see a card. It's called a connection card. Just take one of those, give us some contact information, and indicate all that card somewhere. I don't know about Christ. There's a little checkbox you can check, or you can just write it on the card. I want to know Jesus. I want my life to be where it's supposed to be. And you can drop that in one of the baskets as you leave this morning. We'll be glad to be in touch with you to let you know how you can have what the Apostle Paul found. You can have what Christians through the centuries have found. You can have what people have seen all around the world have found. Watch it online. You can do the same thing. We have a digital version of that same card. It's at nationalheights.org backslash hello. That link is on our Facebook page. It's also on our webpage if you're watching there. Just follow that link. It'll take you to a card where you can give us some contact information. And we'll be in touch with you about how you can know Jesus in your life today. Maybe there's other ways that God is working in your life. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd be glad to share with you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Maybe there's some prayer need that you have on the reverse side of the physical card that's here about that very bottom of the digital card. There's a place where you can indicate a prayer request that you would like your church to pray with you. We'd be honored to pray with you today. Whatever it is, however God is leading in your heart this morning, you listen. Responding to his call today as we sing together.